Hello, sci-fi fans. This is Richard Dean Anderson from MacGyver and Stargate SG-1. You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. We'll be right back after this word. You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now, your hosts, Scott, Miles, and Anna. Your table is ready. Live long and prosper. This is the captain. We have a little problem with our entry sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Well, welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. My name is Scott Herzog. Good evening. I am Miles P. McLaughlin. Hi, I'm Sierra Garcia. And we are here tonight to talk about Farpoint. Farpoint 2015. It's a con that has been near and dear to our heart over the years. And uh, we've, we've, we've gained many friends over the years at Farpoint and uh, have met many wonderful guests, many wonderful people that have appeared on our shows. Um, and it's just been an awesome, awesome experience. I'm looking forward to seeing people that unfortunately I only get to see maybe twice a year. And so I'm really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to um, seeing some awesome dealer rooms. Um, my, my wallet is starting to uh, twitch just because of that. <laughs> and, and, um, and your credit card bill. And, yeah, yeah, but it's all good. And um, they're going to have some awesome guests this year. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait. And uh, Em, I hear there's like one particular guest that you really are you're looking forward to meeting. Nope, nobody. No, nobody, nobody. <laughs> Oh my God, Colin Ferguson! I know. I Sheriff know. Carter. I mean, I I, I have a deep love of Eureka in general because it was, it was, it was, it was a sci-fi comedy, and it was just delicious. And he was hilarious. As I've watched and rewatched the show, there's always wonderful little nuances, and I just loved sheriff carter and the one time i have been pulled over by a sheriff he was not like sheriff carter so i feel <laughs> this should be a training show for all sheriffs in the world and yeah. just to have the opportunity like miles said like you said to see all these really great people and to see all the great crafts and and the dealer room to hear from some really great content um creators that are other podcasters and writers and filmmakers it's just it's a delicious moment at the beginning of the year to recharge my creative batteries and and also to get to hang out with the people who we're hanging out with now absolutely in fact tonight on the show we have sharon renee and steve with us all who have major roles at farpoint and uh, so uh, guys, I know you're listening here. Why, why don't we go ahead and have you just introduce yourself? Tell us a little about who you are, what your role is with the con, and then we'll move on. Sharon, let's start with you. Okay. Um, uh, Sharon, my uh, my name is Sharon Van Blarkham. It still is, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and I am one of the uh, con chairs for Farpoint Convention, and uh, so my role is basically uh, one of the ringmasters of this uh, 17 ring circus that's going on. <laughs> and literally a 17 ring circus. So, but... It feels like it sometimes. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Uh, R- <laughs> R- R- Renee, how about you? Hi, um, I'm Renee Wilson, um, and I am this year 
working with on the art show, coordinating my husband, Steve Wilson. And um, so that's my major role this year. Um, she says this year because over the years she's held pretty much every single war, every single hat. <laughs> wow. So I, I've, I've been involved since I, going to Gretchen since I was eight and actually working on various incarnations of this one since I was 15. So yes, I've, I've helped and run and done stuff. So anyway, that's it's short, this year. Short story. I'm doing art show this year. <laughs> awesome. And Steve, how about yourself? Yeah, I'm, and I'm Steve Wilson. Um, I am co-art show chair this year. That's Renee and I have very much limited our, our involvement. Um, but we we founded Farpoint back in 1993. I was its first or first chairman or first executive director, whatever the heck my title was then. And uh, Renee was right in there with me. Um, and in fact, it was it was she and her family roped me into this this craziness <laughs> back in the 1980s. So, um, but uh, but yeah, like Renee, I've done just about everything at the con. Yeah, wherever they need. And Steve is this Go year ahead. because he is the uh, director for Prometheus Radio Theater, which is um, a company that uh, that produces original science fiction radio plays, and he also is a public the publisher and founder of. Uh, Firebringer Press, and he's written several books with Firebringer Press. So he's wearing, a, he's as always, he's wearing a lot of hats at the convention this yeah, year. Yeah, he's not busy at all, even though he limited himself. <laughs> no, so while he drops in on that full-time job that pays his bills. <laughs> oh yeah, that. I'm gonna call them. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, awesome. Well, Sharon, you and I talked a little bit uh, on Facebook, kind of how we were thinking of doing this, and. Um, just so that, uh, I guess for everyone on board, the way of my understanding is we're going to kind of talk about, uh, Farpoint this year and then kind of to go into a little bit of history and especially con history in general. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Renee was actually, when she was a small child and she was bundled off multiple times to up to New York, just to, to the original Star Trek convention. Ooh. Back when no one else knew what in the heck this was. You know? <laughs> nice. Oh, good. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Very cool. Yeah, that is awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. 70, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. She, she, was, she was all of three years old then. She has, vi she has vivid and fond me memories of that? <laughs> I was a little bit older than that. But <laughs> <laughs> uh. So I thought we'd go ahead. First convention, so. Oh, nice. Now, was your first convention the first convention? Oh, no. No, yeah. no. Well, first I mean, convention was, a, was like PhilCon 76. 76. Yeah. No. 75? Well, I meant like the first of the Star Trek. Oh, no, no the first Star Trek convention was 72. Yeah. Mm. And were there were there there were there were sci-fi co conventions prior to '72? Is that correct? Oh yeah. Yes. yes. In fact, PhilCon, and we just mentioned that that um, Renee attended in the, in the '70s, is actually over 75 years old. Wow. Wow. That is amazing. <laughs> so, all right. Well. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of funny how the evolution of the con, it's really kind of bloomed in the last year. And, you know, I should save it for the show. But it's just as this. Who as says this, we aren't recording? 
Just Are we recording? This is great. Well, <laughs> yeah. as the renaissance of, of comic books has, has come into play in the last five, six years, thanks to Marvel Studios, and, and there's just been this wonderful bloom of, 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 uh, well, what's of media that that pays attention, and even outside of sci-fi media and outside of fantasy media, they pay attention to the cons now, and it's it's really kind of neat that when you say, "Oh, well, I'm going to Comic Con," even even your average Joe knows what that is, but like ten years ago, if you said, "Oh, I'm going to Comic Con," what is that? So right. it's beautiful to see how it's it has this wonderful long history, and then it's kind of bloomed up now that whatever generation this is that is entering the workforce and has money um, that they've kind of nerded out even further and, and they, they wear their nerd badge proudly on their sleeve. That's amazing yeah. to me. I love it. I've said for a while now, um, because I grew up going to conventions when they were not cool. And if I would mention that I had gone to a Star Trek convention when I was a kid, I would go, Oh, you're a Trekkie and gotten the, do you dress up in funny uniforms and all that? Because that, that was the generation that thought you were strange if you went to those, those Star Trek conventions. So um, I said it's, there's, there's positives and negatives um, with it becoming a little bit more mainstream. But <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, what, in your opinion, um, what, for you, what are the positives? Well, I guess for, from I, I, I say from my generation, um, or when I was going, you were kind of looked at strangely. You got that weird look from everybody who didn't understand. And so you kind of, I mean, personally, I kind of kept it to myself. I didn't say it too often to friends, you know, of my age. Um, and But I think the positives are like from our kids and, and this generation coming up. It, it's, it's cool to be into that. And you're accepted, and it's not strange, and you don't have to hide part of who you are. So I think that that's that's a, a big positive. Mm -hmm. And I one of the it... things that has that has struck me in regards to um, the evolution of cons from from the earlier days, because I've I've my my most of my con con working experience has been uh, strictly with Farpoint, but even just over the 22 years of Farpoint itself, and now as, you know, over the last few, uh, last year's being the uh, con chair and going to other conventions, fandom in general is, has changed so much because back when Farpoint was founded and in those earlier days, it was, you were either a literary con and focused just straight on books and books and literature, or you were what they called a media con, which was focusing on essentially Star Trek at that point in time. And there, and, and there was um, nothing in the middle, and now there's much more of a blending because you'll see the, the, what, what started out as like Philcon and Balticon as straight literary conventions have expanded their programming to include topics about movies and TV um, in order to please their fan bases and conventions um, like Farpoint and Shoreleaf, we have all, we have ex we've expanded our um, programming to include the more include I should say because Farpoint's always included topics on books and literature and technology and things like that, but we now have full programming tracks devoted to books and authors and real world science and technology, and now of course with what is happening 
in the um, internet-based and new media where people there's so many people who now have the ability to do their own things and, and put out their own creative products. And it really, the landscape has changed so much hmm. as to what people do and what they want to see and talk about. Nothing it's I'm a, it's amazing. Like uh, in California, just this past December, my friends went to um, Hello Kitty Con, <laughs> which was <laughs> which was incredibly well visited. I mean, they made it. It was it was huge, and it was specifically about Hello Kitty and everything around it and that whole Sanrio world. And to have a con, to have to have something with the word con at the end with something so specific it's become it i i love that that's what you do when you want to bring people together that have an interest that's different that that's common you throw a con right. and it's it, I, this is renee here um, my son um he went to the con which is my, my little, little pony, pony. Yeah. for mm -hmm. boys and or guys, and it's like it's a thing. It's a thing, <laughs> and it's like I would never have been able to do that one, you know, when I was young and going to conventions and stuff. But Dude, now when I was a kid, I would have been teased mercilessly, you know, without mercy. Absolutely, if exactly. I would have done that. <laughs> My very first con was three years ago, at oh, wow. um. It was at, sh at shore leave, as a matter of fact. And when someone said, oh, dude, I'm a brony, that's not a thing. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that's not, you just made that crap up because you wanted to dress this way. No. <laughs> he sat me down and bought me a beer and he explained it. it was like, this is a thing. And then <laughs> as, as my, because as I like to say, I just came out of the nerd closet like three years ago. I had to hide for a very long time. And when I came out, the nerd world and the geek world and the, the whole being a, being really enchanted with one amazing thing expanded to this huge presence. And it was I, I, I literally just looked at him and, and, and I, I said to him, that's not a thing. You just totally made that up to buy me a drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's amazing. It makes people so happy about going to conventions and even learning about them for the first time is because I think a lot of fans are out there and they, they don't have those connections. And, and I mean, we in the Washington, Baltimore and, and even East Coast Carter are dreadfully spoiled with the number and quality of conventions that we have available to go to. But, you know, further out in the, uh, in the Midwest and things, in the bigger spaces of the country, they don't have as many opportunities to meet and get with other fans and actually you know i think so for a lot of fans were coming into their first events realized there's more people i'm, I'm not as unusual as i think i am right. <laughs> and and they really get a chance to just you know relax and be accepted for who they are and what they're interested in yeah. and it's it's a it's a big important point for farpoint is to be as you know to be open and inclusive to everyone's interests and which and that's why we encourage people to let us know what they want to see, what they want to do, what they want to talk about, so that we can, you know, do our best to tailor the programming to things of interest to the fan community. Miles, you were going to say something. Well, I was impressed with cons like Farpoint and Shoreleave. I mean, what also they have to offer, you talk about new media, if you're an aspiring writer or aspiring filmmaker, um, 
I, there are folks there that can help you out with that sort of thing. You, I, there's panels if if for 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 you know that'll help uh, if you want to you know how to get a book published or uh, from from published authors or doing doing your own fan film from people that make them that make them mm-hmm. and um, it, it's a great place to you know if you if you have something creative you want to take off and you just need a little help or a little advice i mean the perfect place to to get it is is at some of these cons yeah i have to say that with farpoint i found it much more hands-on and much more an, an environment where the guests are all incredibly generous about that and incredibly generous to just sit and chit chat with with aspiring writers, aspiring actors, aspiring everything. And I, I do love the intimacy that, that Farpoint creates so that you can have those moments. And those the kind of thing that, you know, when you start to doubt, like, oh, I can't write this, you, you kind of hearken back to that and go, oh, my God, I remember when I was talking to so-and-so, you know, I had 10 minutes with Timothy Zahn. I, I can do this. I can do this. And it's so I, I, I don't think I've had the opportunity to tell anybody who works with Farpoint that I, I just really admire that about the con. Well, oh, that's, that's nice to hear, but I really can't take much credit for it as the current con chair. That kind of atmosphere is kind of what Farpoint was founded on by Mr. Wilson here on my left and Mrs. Wilson here on my right. Steve and Renee, that was one of their goals when they started Farpoint was to provide that fan family learning experience so that fans could connect with each other and learn from each other. And it is, it's extremely satisfying to see even after 22 years. Well, it was family for us. I mean, that's literally, um, Renee's, Renee's was instrumental in the founding of Baltimore con, both shore leave and Clipper con, which was Clipper con was Farpoint's direct predecessor. And, um, it, it, it was a family business to us and we were in it because, we, we loved Star Trek. There was no Star Trek being produced when all this started. No movies. Uh, the series was off the air. And, and a lot of the crowd that did this were fanzine writers and people making 8mm film Star Trek episodes without soundtracks. And um, it was, there was a lot of creative energy, and that's the, spirit we, we, that's the spirit we just wanted to continue. It's just kind of in our DNA. Well, now, Steve, Steve, Renee, maybe you can comment on this. I was thinking about this earlier when we were talking about it. When you guys founded Farpoint, uh, were there any other types of conventions out there? I mean, we we mentioned like there's bronies, there's uh, you name it, you know, Hello Kitty cons. But uh, when you started either going to cons, but but especially as you developed Farpoint, were there Battlestar Galactica cons? Were there Star Wars cons? Or was it basically just Star Trek? Was that the only option out there? It, it's funny. Uh, we, we, I, I was just somebody just um, asked me this for something else, and I said, you know, when we started Farpoint, it was, it was still somewhat scandalous that we brought guests from Star Trek: The Next Generation. Um, I mean, it, it had started wow. happening. Um, <laughs> How but, dare you? Um, yeah, but it was. Um, we were the first. I think if you call us a major convention, and I, I guess I would. Uh, by, by those by the definitions of that day, we are not anywhere near a Dragon Con or a San Diego Comic Con. <laughs> Cons have such big business now. But um, back when we were starting, a Baltimore Con topped out at 2,000 people. 
um, and, and in those days we had, you know, about 1,400. So um, uh, we were the first to say, hey, let's get guests from Lost in Space and, yeah, Battlestar Galactica and, and the other cons had not done that yet. You didn't see anybody but Star Trek guests. And for a long time, even in the panel rooms, you didn't discuss anything but Star Trek. Ooh. So, yeah, there we were... I'm not going to say we were the first, but in the Baltimore area, we 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 were the only ones doing that when we started. So, so as far as sci-fi cons, as far as um, for for fans of the of, of the TV of sci-fi TV shows or movies, Star Trek was the first to really you know have a con devoted to just you know that TV show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well. Huh. And I think that's partly because Star Trek had, you know, in the early, you know, right after it was canceled, that had such a fan base so energized that they had to have these conventions in order to keep it going. Um, where you've ne- you, I don't think you had that passion for a TV show really much before Star Trek. Yeah. You know, I mean, there was other science fiction shows well, no, not really. There wasn't. Well, there were. I mean, Irwin Allen. There was Space 1999. Come on. Star Trek lives. I mean, that's <laughs> that's early days. Um, and when I say going to old, I I think that Farpoint, while it's transitioned a lot over the years, at its core was uh, well, we started with ClipperCon, the Baltimore one was ClipperCon first, and then October Trek. And the ClipperCon committee were a large, most of the well, all the ClipperCon committee was those who went to the old New York Star Trek convention. So that was kind of what we, we wanted a Baltimore convention that was like the New York Star Trek convention, which was a very, I mean, they were huge, but they were close. I mean, so I think that's intimate. Even though they were large, they were still intimate. Um, So I think that's how far, you know, we evolved in, wanted to keep that feel of early Star Trek conventions. And the interesting part is just over the years, you know, many shows shows have come and shows have gone and movies and franchises, but people are still interested in Star Trek. Every year we try, some years we're not able to cut a deal, but we try to have, you know, Star Trek represented in our guest list in some and in our programming because there is still that group of people that you know Star Trek is their first and last love. And to show you how spoiled we are in Baltimore, <laughs> okay, we have people write to us in in livid in anger saying there are no Star Trek guests on the lineup when we've got Peter David, Howard Weinstein, Michael Jan Friedman. Alan Dean Foster, and they're saying, you don't have any Star Trek guests, and we're just pounding our heads on the table thinking, there are people in other areas of the country who would kill to see Peter David yeah. walking around a convention. He is Star Trek to a lot of people. Uh, yeah. 
And just because he yeah, comes every year doesn't mean that he's still not an integral part of that. Yeah. So. Yeah, and um, and we are very blessed that we do have such a core group of people from the early early days of Star Trek fandom that not only you know they'll come to Far Point and participate as guests, and all, they're also behind the you know behind the scenes with us because I mean we. We have, as, as Steve mentioned, we have Peter David and, and Howard Weinstein, and these are people that have wrote some of the biggest and most original of the Star Trek uh, tie-in fiction books. Uh, Howie wrote one of the, I can't remember, one of the most seminal uh, and important of the Star Trek animated series episodes. Can't remember the name. Uh, we have Mark Okrand, who comes to Farpoint as, as a guest, and he emcees in our ballroom. This is the man that created the Klingon language. And and so you know even we some years we may not be able to cut a deal to get a Star Trek actor in our um, on on the roster, but we every year Star Trek is represented in our you know in in our guest lineup and in our programming, Absolutely. and that's one of the things that we're very proud of because Star Trek started a lot of it. A lot of the uh, shows that come out now, I you notice things that they almost want to gear them, they try to set themselves up to be and generate a Star Trek-like fandom at least in, in, in their level of devotion and interest. Mm. And, and the thing is, it's not one of those things that you can set up to make happen. It, I, it either happens or it doesn't. I mean, the closest thing I'd say that, that really followed in the Star Trek, the way that fans are, is, is Firefly. Yeah, I mean, the, the fans of Firefly are very similar to the fans, the early fans of Star Trek class. Passionate. Yeah. Passionate and fervent. Yeah, and it, but it, it wasn't something that, you know, a producer or somebody could engineer. It just you know, it happens it has, when it does. It has, it, I think the show had the same kind of feel of classic. It had the warmth. Yeah. It had the yeah. warmth that had the character. Yeah. We've watched a lot of shows come and go since, and, and they were wonderful shows, Babylon 5 um, and, and BFG. Yeah. They were very, very exciting in fandom when they were on, but that energy in fandom has not outlasted the shows, and that's why I think, yeah, Firefly is a very good example. I think people are still just as passionate about Firefly as they ever were. What about, uh, what about shows, what, what about Stargate? Stargate um, seems to have a, 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 a strong following, and I think the fact that it, there is still a Stargate on the air, right? Yeah, I, no. I haven't kept um, At the moment, no. Following in our sister convention, Shore Leave, um, really, really brings a lot of the Stargate guests. Yeah. And I think there's a, there is a lot of energy. It, it's been on the air for 20-some years, so it's hard to know what would happen if it weren't well, there. It's actually, when, when, when did Stargate Universe go off the air? I think it was 2010. So 2010 was the last Stargate. So they aren't on Oh, was it? Yet. Okay. I, yeah. So, uh, okay. So. Yeah. It's still around, and that and that show in particular, it, and that truly is like the make or break point of of the fan interest. Is after two or three or four years off the air, are people still talking about it? And for us, it's are people still asking to see, okay. you know, guests from that show, or, or are they, or do they still want to talk about it in panel talk? Well, and I think also what what classic Trek and um, Firefly had in common was they both were cut short in their prime. Mm -hmm. We got limited quantities of both of them. Our appetites were whetted. Um, and I think um, Star Trek Next Gen came along, and in the early 90s, we had this 
huge resurgence in fandom. Yeah. Attendance soared at conventions. Um, but then Star Trek was available and on, and 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 now it's we're almost at the point where we have fans saying, "Why? Why do you have?" I have people come into my office and look at my book collection and say, "Why do you have all these Star Trek books? Why were you ever into Star Trek?" And I'm like, "Wow, you just don't know, do you?" You don't get it. Um, <laughs> fans that aren't interested in. Right. Yeah, it's it's a diverse group out there, definitely. Hmm. Hmm. Definitely. But that's um. You know, and that's one of the challenges of of, uh, of work. You know, working at any convention is, you know, responding to the diversity of interests, and at the same time keeping within your bud- resources budget of both money and space. Right. I mean, right. If, at it, if our hotel had enough space, we could probably program at least three or four diff- more rooms of, of of activities and events because. You know, culling through everyone's ideas is is very very difficult every year. Hmm. Yeah. I can only imagine. I can only imagine because then you've got everybody at the con telling you you should have this and you should have that, and then they forget until like a month before the con, and then they start emailing you. Oh my god, are you going to do this? I need a Bernie <laughs> Star Trek crossover. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> You know what? My I brain bet just it's fried. out there, baby. If you can think it up, it's on the internet. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm going to Google it right now. Hold on, please. <laughs> right. Have fun with that. Please. One time I was in a bookstore and I happened looking in the science fiction section as usual. And the man wrote a Star Trek X-Men crossover novel. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yep. I read it. <laughs> Miles wow. read it. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was a job. Yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> Well, <laughs> in the IMDb comics now, there's a Star Trek Planet of the Apes uh, crossover. Oh. No. Yep. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so apparently, thanks to the Googles, John Delancey explained the Brony phenomenon in song. <laughs> Are we going to play it here in the air? I don't know. I'm Do you know what? You should, send, you should send me a link, and at the end of this episode, we should play it. That's just oh, it. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> so send me that link later on in an email. We'll, put, we'll make sure it gets there. Oh, um, like Domino's. I'll deliver it, baby. <laughs> hey, I, I wanted to ask, too, you know, it's from the early days of convention going. Has Have the conventions themselves changed as far as, like, format, um, the way guests are approached or the way guests are handled? I mean, has, has, has the way conventions have been run, have they changed over the years? Let Renee do that one. Um, as far you mean throughout the whole history of conventions, or well, either either throughout your knowledge of the history of conventions, or even even Farpoint. I mean, has Farpoint basically been run the same way for the past twenty years, or have or have that have they changed? I mean, it generally, we have the same philosophy, we have the same goals and stuff in mind, but I think that the big change is the way that we do programming now is we do them in tracks, whereas uh, in the earlier days, we'd have uh, panel rooms, we'd have, well, these are when we had films or, or video rooms. It's been a huge change. And, yeah. um, and then the main programming rooms. Um, but... And 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 then all the programmers would have various pro- panels and stuff like that of a more limited uh, focus uh, 
whereas now we have we have the media track and uh, TV. Uh, don't help me out. The science track. New media. Yeah. So we do we do our programming in 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 tracks. Yes. And and that I think that's the biggest change. Well, and you mentioned something. The film room. It used to be in the 70s. You could you had a room at the convention that did nothing but show. We would have three film rooms. Yes. You had a room doing nothing but showing Star Trek episodes on 16-millimeter film. Yes. And, and it and, was packed. Wow. <laughs> and movies. I, mean, that, I think that's, yeah, that's, that's a, one, one of the big change is, yeah, we don't have video rooms like that or film rooms as they were called. Yes. Um, so uh, it's just based on, you know, technology. It's, it's just yeah. a lot of the ways that, you know, and so now things well, yeah, and now we have, you know, we're showing, you know, in the main ballrooms we have, you know, set multimedia presentations, and the sci our science guests are coming in with, you know, with their computer ready to be hooked up to do their, to do a demonstration or a talk. It's, technology has changed a lot about uh, how we do things, and even in how we run things. I mean, back in the good, back when when everything first started, no one paid for anything by credit card. It was all you know, cash, <laughs> and now. Now you have to, you know, get credit. You get your credit card accounts because that's how everyone wants to pay things. I, I think um, also another way and th way that things have shifted um, are that because we have multiple tracks, we have multiple things going on at all times. Uh, the earlier days, you had a few things like when your main guests, you know, your big guests were on, you didn't have anything on opposite them because that was the, the main attraction. Is for, the, for however many guests you had. And so no other programming would go on opposite that. Where now there's just so much programming, you can't not have that. And, and, there's, and there's a diversity of interest as well. Right. Because people, you know, there are people who are, you know, a, say a diehard. We have, since we have Timothy's on this year, Yes, we have the so the Star Wars and and, and literary fandoms. They're going to want to go hear Timothy Zahn talk, so they're not going to be interested in going to a Star Wars media panel or movie TV panel or a Star Wars you know literature panel because they're going to be wanting to go hear the hear the man talk. And indeed, I think the early Trek cons and Renee, you remember some of this. Um, Isaac Asimov would show up and do an hour talk in the main ballroom, and all the wow. attendees. Hear him because they wanted to know what Isaac thought of Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Robert Heinlein, a bunch of Star Trek conventions in the Midwest, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, so it was it was a whole different ballgame. And in the earlier days, also, um, I mean, I, and I'm talking back. These are more the New York days. There yeah. wasn't so much of this after we started things here in Baltimore. But um, as I said, the main guest, by the main guest, you could have. William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, Jimmy Dewan, any of the classic Trek, Trek guests appearing at the convention, but you, you know, there was a dealer's room and there was a, there was some, a couple other breakout rooms, but if you wanted to see any of those main guests, you sat in the ballroom all day and saved a seat for whoever you wanted to see. So that was an adventure in itself because you, if you had a group of people, you'd say, okay, go get a row of seats and you sit there and you took turns saving the seats so that you could see the William Shatner or whatever uh, that yeah. was appearing. Um, so, I mean, that was, that was part of the intimacy 
Also, because you sat there for hours and it was boring <laughs> waiting for it. So well, you got to know a lot of people that way. Mm-hmm. So. And the celebrity experience in and of itself at conventions has changed a lot. Because in those early, you know, those very early days, and even and, and even at the time Farpoint was first founded, you had one usually one actor celebrity there, and everyone was perfectly happy, mm-hmm. and everyone more often than you know everyone would get the, get their autograph at no additional charge, and you know and that has segued over the years to multiple multiple celebrity guests at a lot of conventions, and in order to accommodate the costs of these multiple celebrity guests you then go into the concept of what we call the paper guests. These are people who the convention will bring out and pay room and board, but their appearance fee is made by them signing, you know, signing their items at a, at, at a charge. And that's been a drastic change since I, when I started Farpoint, you paid every guest um, a, 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 a good hefty fee up front, and they, um, they agreed to do two one-hour talks and to sign really for most of them as many autographs as, as they could sign. Yes. Yeah. And um sometimes you'd have somebody like a, a D Forrest Kelly as he was getting older would say, I'll do seven hundred and fifty autographs but that's it. Um but um I think it was it was probably two or three years into Farpoint that the first the first time I was approached and told, Hey, and I think it was Gary Lockwood from two thousand one hey, Gary will come to the con. I said, I'm sorry, I can't afford to pay him. Oh, no, he'll just come. Um, just get him a hotel room, and he'll come, and he'll just sit at the table, and he'll charge to sign autographs. And I'm like, well, that's kind of freaky. <laughs> and that was a completely foreign idea in 1995, and now that's how most that's of our right. guests... Yeah, uh, most, the, the average, most, most of the um, actor guests, that's, I, and it could be true at some of the bigger cons, that's how they make their money they in general they feel that they can make more money by you know signing and you know selling and signing their autographs than you know than just by getting a flat appearance fee if you had said to a fan in 1976 mr shatner's autograph will be twenty dollars they would have said are you high wow (laughs) (laughs) now it's a hundred yeah that that has definitely changed a lot and i mean in some ways it's been it's been a positive because the uh, con- you know the convention is able to stretch their budget by not having to pay appearance fees up front. But however, most of these uh, most of the celebrities do come with a guarantee, meaning that if they don't make their X amount of money by signing and uh, selling and si- signing and selling, then the convention guarantees that they will you know will make up the difference. So you end up you know having to make sure as a convention banker you have to make hopefully and make sure you have that money on the back end. Right, and um, so there's pro- and there's pros and cons. Some people don't mind coming to a convention because because the convention's able to spread their budget out and get instead of only paying for one or two celebrities and paying their full fees, they can get six or seven, and so it it's, it broadens the experience for the for the convention goer. But at the same time, you know you get feedback from some people that they feel like they're getting nickel and dime to death because every autograph they want they have to pay extra for on top of their mm-hmm. admission into the convention. But mm-hmm. that's the way business done now. Yeah, and, and but you know on on average people prefer that, and and we have to do at Farpoint a little bit of that you know just in order to, you know again make the budget work and and respond to the demand. Uh, however, we have been able to work it this year, and I'm going to try and keep that into the future where. Everyone who comes gets 
at least one autograph at no additional charge, and they get to pick, they get to choose each day. They get one ticket for each, one one free at no charge signature each day, and get to choose whether it's Colin Ferguson or Tim or Tim Roth. And mm-hmm. so, if they you know work it right, they could come to Far Point and pay their admission fee for the weekend and not have to pay anything for any additional signatures. If they have, they get one item signed at no charge from Colin on Saturday, and then their one item yeah. at, uh, from Tim on Sunday. But what of course, if somebody you know, stood in line one day for Colin, and then the next day for Colin, and then the next day for Colin? I, they could do that as well. <laughs> it, you know, and, but they do seem to like member. Our members um, seem to like being able to have as much control as possible over what money they're going to spend and where. Right, and that's We're that's very actually lucky that our hotel understands that too. The, the Baltimore uh, Plaza, North North Baltimore Plaza Hotel has just been awesome with us. They have not raised prices to us since 2009. Wonderful. And as such, we had to raise our prices to uh, for our weekend and membership. Most so, hotels dealing with a convention will raise the rate 10% at least every year. Wow. So, mm. that's I, so it's been a big blessing. I, and and they, they understand that, um, the you know, they understand the congoers where they're coming from, you know, that uh, a science fiction convention or any of these what, what I personally call hobby-type conventions, your antique shows, your comic book shows, your, mm-hmm. uh, your science fiction conventions, these are people that are paying their good hard-earned money out of their own pockets. Mm-hmm. And the hotel understands that and does their best to respond to that need by making the, their prices as, as, as low and reasonable as they can. And that's advantageous. I think one of the other things, that, that all of that... Um, the cost and everything kind of speaks to the commercialization of what's happened where everybody, the hotel, the studios, everybody, the actors has realized that there's money in this. And in the earlier, the earlier days, the cons, that was not, I mean, Renee, tell, talk about a dealer's room in 1975 when there was no licensed material other than a few action no, pictures I mean, and a couple of books. Right. I mean, yeah, they were, they, and the dealer's rooms were huge. But it was all um, mostly all fans selling stuff that they had made. You know, fan. I mean, the fanzines were a huge part of of a dealer's room in the in those days. Um, but a lot of it was just. Uh, I mean, there was some merchandise, like you know, Star Trek merchandise, but that wasn't the big thing. I mean, there used to be, a, a, like I said, t-shirt, for years there were, as a t-shirt dealer, but not like a t-shirt dealer like you see now. Like, you could have t-shirts made with pictures and sayings. You know, like like if you went to the beach or something, you'd go in their shops and stuff. But um, but most of it was fan stuff. And, and unlicensed, unlicensed fan stuff. Fan that fan now, stuff. Yeah. if we sold it, you know, Viacom representatives would be coming in the door, shutting down the dealer's room, which has <laughs> happened. Not to our con, fortunately, but um, you know, it's 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 been a total change. The the fan, you have to tell the 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 fanzine. Renee's mom, Bev Volker, was a, a fanzine publisher, a very popular Star Trek fanzine called Contact. And when a new issue came out, even though we didn't have the internet, um, when a new issue came out, there were thousands of people waiting for it. So they would drive to a con in New York City with boxes of the new the new issue of the zine, and this was a cash-only society. My mother-in-law 
collected these thousands and thousands of dollars. <laughs> and she, we were in New York City, of course, and we would go out, and so she'd have to stuff all the money, <laughs> all the cash that she made in her bra. <laughs> because it was just oh that. I mean, it was, it was like, I guess I can liken it, you know, compare it to like the new iPhone comes out or the new whatever piece of technology where people stood in line to, you know, you knew it was coming, mm-hmm. and you, I mean, literally, it was lines in the dealer's room to get to the, <laughs> to, um, it was crazy. I mean, it was fun, crazy, but yeah, we we would drive up to, from Baltimore to New York with our six, loaded with boxes and boxes of these fan scenes. <laughs> it was wow. big business. <laughs> wow. Well, that was one of the one of the most you know the most interesting things I you know about your mom that I you know I was always fascinated by is that several people that wrote for uh, Contact mm-hmm. ended up becoming professional authors. I mean, Steve's a professional author now, and he he wrote stories for Contract. You know, that's where they get a lot of their first experience. And um, well, of course, and 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 Anne's first novel she took to uh, to Bev, and because she knew Bev published a, a popular Star Trek scene, and said, "Hey, what do you think?" And uh, to the day she died, Anne said she she owed Bev her her writing career because that's wow. what got her published. Wow, that's awesome. so, you know, so so that and that's part of what's neat to see is um, even though the the mechanics of uh, the convention world have changed a lot. I think the underlying spirit is is still there, and 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 that's what's really important, is being able and being able to keep and maintain those those fandom connections. And it's it's definitely something that if you have never been to a convention, you don't experience until you go to one. Yeah. And and for me personally, um, as I said, I grew up going to conventions. My mother was into it. And so now my kids are have been raised going to conventions and can't imagine life not having them. I mean, it's just I mean, I mean I can't imagine. I mean, I started when I was going when I was 8 and that was my life. And um my kids, I mean, sometimes I you know, I grow weary of doing Farpoint because I've been doing conventions since well, the ClipperCon was I started when I was 15. I didn't start, but I mean, I was involved since 15. And it's like I'm just kind of a little burnt out sometimes, and I think, huh. <laughs> but my kids are like, oh, no, Mom, you have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Renee's Ren- 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 youngest son, Christian, I think uh, I think he's already in the back of his head planning the the one he's going to take over as the Farpoint Con chair. <laughs> <laughs> That's parenting done right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well done. You're bringing up some really good, some people who who will contribute to society in in, in exponentially amazing ways. So well done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And I also feel just from um, I tell this to a lot of people who say, "Oh, how could you know about those weird people that you meet at conventions?" And I say, "Well, yes, they're a little eccentric, but they have really my experience." with all kinds of people has come from these conventions. The diversity, and the diversity is, is incredible. something you can't, you can't teach that in a school, really. I mean, but then the, uh, the different kinds of people that you're exposed to attending these conventions is, is a great experience. Well, and in, in, in combination with the diversity is the acceptance. 
you know, mm-hmm. because you can teach your kids about diversity and they can see it, but, but putting your kids in an environment where, where such diversity is accepted mm-hmm. and celebrated is, 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 you know, is equally exactly. important. Exactly. It's a, it's, a, it's a good environment for exposure to all sorts of things. No, and I would agree with that. I think that even in the, in our sci-fi in in our sci-fi world, the uh, the ones that the genres that we're into, we we have our own particular world. The people we listen to, the people we talk to about it, going to a con just you get people with different theories, different ideas, different beliefs, and it, putting them together just becomes an interesting experience. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, but, I I always come home from from every convention, whether it's. Farpoint, or I've gone to another convention to publicize Farpoint, uh, and or just be a general attendee. You, you always meet somebody new and interesting, and it it just expands your horizons. Hmm. Very good. Well, so let's talk a little bit about Farpoint this year. We've been talking. I mean, we've hinted at some different things that are happening for people that are listening that maybe either haven't gone to conventions or even people that are going to be returning to Farpoint, what, what's, what's going on this year that, that we can be excited about that are drawing people in? Oh, well, Where do you start, going, right? <laughs> it's really exciting to have Colin Ferguson appear at Farpoint. This is the first time he's come. Uh, we, people have been asking for him for several years now. And so we're just very glad that, the um, you know the the stars aligned so that we could get him here and of course we're welcoming Tim Russ back and both of them are going to be appearing on they'll be here on Friday Saturday and Sunday on Friday night they'll be appearing with Prometheus Radio Theater awesome. uh, in a live performance which is something that um, not every convention is able to do being a smaller convention um, our our guests from the celebrities down, you know, all the way through our, our um, author and scientist guests, they are willing and to do an, an increased um, array of activities with us. And so we're very excited that Colin and Tim are going to be guest starring with Prometheus Radio Theater on Friday evening, which is part of the opening ceremonies. And they're, of course, going to be around all weekend um, meeting and greeting and signing and selling and talking. And we're very excited... Um, that Keith DeCandido, who is one of our regular author guests, is he's, it turns out, the man's a black belt, never knew it. <laughs> I, I mean, I knew he was interested, I didn't realize he had, he had gone as far to a black belt, and he's going to be doing a um, self-defense demonstration and, you know, interactive uh, workshop this year that's going to be a lot of fun, and um, <clears throat> and we're celebrating... Star Trek Voyager's 40th anniversary this year at our dinner and a movie on Saturday night. 20th. Did I say 40th? You said 40th. I said 40th. <laughs> but um, Star Trek Voyager's 20th by showing showing a couple of um, uh, Tim Russ's Tuvok's finest episodes. Oh, yeah. And uh, we are doing nice. something, something for someone's 40th anniversary. I'll let Steve tell you about that. Oh yeah, that's that's um, so far we're, we're we're trying to drum up uh, support for that. You mentioned Space 1999. Um, I I did point out we've got uh, Andrew Gaska, who is the author, who is one of the people keeping Space 1999 alive. He's done two wonderful volumes of graphic novels, uh, kind of expanding and continuing on the the original series, and um, he's going to be a guest at the con. 
so and I'm I'm just an Uber geek for Space 1999, <laughs> so I said, well, hey, since you're coming, free <laughs> 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 show. Awesome, that's awesome. And, and of course, we have those guys from the Sci-Fi Diner podcast coming. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. those jerks. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> 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 We're also excited. Um, um, Tim Russ is hopefully going to have some new footage from the Star Trek Renegades. Um, awesome. Oh, yeah. He's been working on. He, um, when I spoke with him, he, he told me that this time frame they're working on final editing, and he's hoping to be able to bring some, bring some clips and some news about that. And our friends from Starship Farragut also have some material for us to show. We actually are going to be able to do a, um, a, a blocks every, um, both on, on, every, on Friday, Saturday, and, um, and maybe Sunday afternoon, depending upon how the uh, schedule works out, but have some blocks of time where we can show <coughs> some of the new independent films that are, being, that are being developed, because there's quite a lot, you know, there's just such a wealth of material out there now, and, so, and some of it is extremely good. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm coughing from a little cat allergy here. <laughs> I, I feel that, you. It was interesting. <clears throat> and now, the, now the dog's coming over to see if she can cure it. Just the diversity of material and the internet creativity, one of the panels <clears throat> in our um, new media tracks is ta actually talking about launching a podcast. It's, the title is Launching a Podcast uh, at, Amongst the Roar, because there's so many out there now. What do you do nowadays to get your new project off the ground and noticed? Yeah, that's mm -hmm. a, probably the big thing, get noticed, right? <laughs> you come to a con and you cross-pollinate with all the other podcasts. That's right, that's right. And you steal your audience. No, I'm just kidding. Excuse me. <laughs> And that's and, um, the beauty of the con too that that you can you can cross pollinate and it's not no my podcast no my podcast is the best your pod it's more like dude come into my podcast oh you we'll go into yours it's this wonderful interweaving of 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 the genres that everybody talks to everybody and supports everyone and that that's just been delicious to it to to that was my, see an experience I, when I started um, podcasting in, in two thousand. God, five, six, um, and I was like, "Wow, this is like this is like the days of the fanzines all over again." Because exactly as you said, so excited to learn about another podcast and to welcome you on board, and it, it's just great. Yeah, and and that's and that's part of the fun is you know just discovering some either somebody's new um, and new venture or. Or, you know, discovering it might not be a new venture, but it's new to you because this is the first time you're hearing about it. Mm -hmm. Right. It's very right. important. And um, we are also very excited uh, about our movie and TV panel track this year. There's such a wealth of uh, movies and TV shows out there right now that are of interest to fans that we've actually had to, you know, do more instead of devoting a panel to a particular show it's almost more topical and we have to group things together because there's just so much out there people want to talk about and it's very exciting. <clears throat> we are especially 
excited about a panel on Friday that's happening on Friday uh, early evening on Star Wars and Disney because it's a big topic in general. But uh, I just got word that uh, from Timothy Zahn that he would like to to be on that panel. So oh, that'd be awesome. So the, organized it i told her that and she was over the moon (laughs) (laughs) i always love when you have when you have celebrity guests or author guests sitting on panels like that i think that's awesome yeah well some some are more comfortable doing that than others right right tim has been very very friendly and accessible to every to everything we've asked him to do so i think he's going to have a good time with us good good um, are you are you folks still doing? Uh, is there still going to be a gaming uh, area for people that play uh, board games, card games? Oh, yes, it's going to be open all weekend, um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and they are doing for gamers that have, you know, either things that they're not interested in in keeping around anymore. They can put them into the gamers flea market for a small fee, and you know, either swap or sell uh, some of their. Uh, or, gaming materials, and all of that money goes in with the uh, amount we raise for through our charity auction for oh, nice. our charity, which um, are the Julian Fleming Memorial Fund that provides uh, grants to families with um, terminally and chronically ill children. And our other charity this year is going to be um, the trust fund for uh, William Books, who is the infant son of a staff member of ours who died very suddenly earlier this year. Oh. And very sad and shocking, and um, and we just you know we wanted to help out the family as much as we could, and so that uh, we're going to make a donation to his uh, trust fund for his future expenses. Wow. Now, as far point now, does the gaming room is that is that just card games? Does it do anything like with uh, any video games ever involved in that, or is it basically just a tabletop card game type games? We did say, um, actually, we've had video games for years, uh, but we've retired them this year. I, I think um, I think they wanted to try to shift the focus to something else. Not not permanently, but I think they're going to take a couple of years off from the video games and uh, shift the focus to some other stuff, but lots of board games, card games, uh, miniature-based games, yeah, like, of, you name it. Yeah, as a matter of fact, in the game room itself, there, um, the our uh, manager of that room has uh, just bought a painting booth that he's going to bring to the convention so people can come in and bring, you know, any of their new miniatures or even if, if it's something they bought at the convention and, you know, paint it safely in in the booth there. Wow. Which is oh, wow. Of, yeah, that was, that was very generous of him. And we are going to have a panel on, um, on video games. Uh, basically, it's going to be a... Uh, a discussion on, you know, what the status of the online gaming world is and also kind of a, a chance to meet and greet because my son wants to has volunteered to run it. He is an avid online gamer, and he basically wants to meet other people who are interested in online gaming and hook up with more people to play with. Well, that makes sense. And he said, sure, and I said, you want sure. Go ahead still having all of our programs for uh, kids and teenagers and and all the way through to us, us older folk. And the gal who, uh, Ida Hack, who runs our children's pro- children and um, teenagers programming, does a, just a wonderful job every year. And she she starts off on Friday with the uh, with a slumber party 
for our young fans to come and have come in their jammies and with their pillows and blankets and watch mm. a movie and have time and snacks. And it, it's, it's scheduled to coincide with our opening ceremony so that, you know, the children can decide they could eat with mom and dad at the opening ceremony and then go uh, play with kids their own age uh, for them um, and watch a movie while mom and dad watch the opening ceremony and the radio play. Oh, awesome. And, you know, a paper, we're having a paper airplay contest and a tea party. And, you know, and, and, and a lot of our talks this year are, uh, we have a couple that are geared just for teens and young adults. And then we have some that are, you know, geared for ages from teenage on up to, to adults that, you know, we, because that's, a, that's really good and important to get, not only, you know, get a diversity of points of view, you know, not only from different types of adults, but, you know, the young people as well. Their, their points of view are important, and we like to make sure that they, have a, they feel like they can, you know, they're, they're hurt as well. Hmm. Yeah, well, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Do you, do you guys, are you guys still uh, running the, uh, the con suite this year? Oh yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> we well, you know it's it's funny that I that it, it. I think the only reason I mentioned it when you go to a con, if you if you're there for three days straight, there are moments you just kind of want to step away and just kind of sit and catch your breath. And uh, one of the places that I've discovered I've been able to do this is in the con suite seat with the couches, and they have little snacks there, and you can kind of like look at your stuff and kind of relax. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it's yeah, it's that's actually something that. Um, we brought back because I believe Renee, I think it was your idea back in the and from the get go because in the, some of the very earliest conventions that she had gone to, they had things like that. And mm-hmm. then, you know, as time went by, it was you know that practice was kind of discontinued. And then, so, you know, cons, some cons did start bringing it back. I believe uh, Balticon and Philcon had always had one, and uh, we wanted to bring it back into it, yeah, it was, into it, the world. Actually, um, Andrew Bergstrom was a committee member of ours uh, for many years, and um, it was actually Andrew who really took the lead on saying, you know, we need a we need a con suite like uh, Balticon has, and he and his family went all out, and and we had. Uh, Crock pots and meatballs and soup and you know. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we can't do that at this hotel. No, yeah. no. That's, that's, that's the tricky part of arranging a con suite is because, you know, part of the, you know, part of the hotel's raisin d'etre is selling us food. Right, <laughs> right. To make sure what we serve uh, at no charge to, to our, our con goers doesn't interfere with what they're trying to serve to the con goers. Right. And but yeah, it, it it does. It is a nice place just to be able to, like you said, just sit down and take a breath and and just get out of the hustle and bustle for a little bit, especially for the our members that aren't staying. Because if you have a room at the hotel, you can run up to your room and have some quiet. But if you're you know if you're if you're here just for the day, it's really important to have a place just to sit down for a few minutes and and take a deep breath. No, absolutely. Yeah. Funny enough, I'm yeah, actually I mean, booking my hotel room right now. <laughs> Girl, all right. There you go. There you go. <laughs> they can have a few um, programming events in the con suite, but not my. Our son is actually the one who who coordinates the con suite, and uh, he's very particular about yes having a place for people to come and sit and and be able to relax. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and having a few, you know, like you know, 
small talks in there or um, in past years we've had um, uh, a couple of acoustic performances in there. It has atmosphere and, and it drives traffic because, you know, sometimes not so much here at, at the plaza where we are now, but at our old hotel, our con suite was in a more remote location and we had people coming to us and saying, I didn't know you had this. <laughs> but now we're, you know, that's one of the things we do like about the plaza is that we're, you know, everything is very centrally located. And some of our... Our uh, guest stars have even discovered Laurie Holden from The Walking Dead thought the concert was the best thing ever. She spent she spent a few hours in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, she tried it. That's right, she did. She tried it. She tried it on through, and, and of course, Laurie was very new to the convention's experience in general. The only other convention she had done before Farpoint was uh, San Diego Comic Con. So, needless to say, very different experiences. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you think? Kind of <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I think she had a good time, though. Oh, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah awesome. Well, is there anything else we uh, we should plug about Farpoint this year before we? Uh... It was it was hard to pick what thing you know when you, when we started talking about what was happening at this at this year's convention because there is so much going on at the different times, and so I do encourage everyone to who's listening, who's interested, to you know. Follow us, follow our website, and also follow us on Facebook at Farpoint Convention and on Twitter um, at FarpointCon is our handle, especially in these weeks leading up to the convention because we are starting, we basically are doing a, 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 a tweet um, slash post a day about things that are going to be happening during the weekend because there is so much happening on so many different tracks and so we and we just there are so many things we want to just bring to people's attention to get them excited and also to encourage them to check things out. The full schedule is planned to be put up on our website um, probably the first uh, first or second of February at the latest, so that people have a chance to look at the full schedule and start planning when they're arriving and the things they want to do. Yeah, we should. Um, so if, if if they don't know. Uh, when is Farpoint? Where is it at? And uh, how much are tickets? And what's the best way to purchase them? Oh yeah, those are all great questions, Miles. Thank you. They are they are indeed? Well, Farpoint Convention is um, this year on President's Day weekend. It is um, February thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and we are being held in Timonium, Maryland, right outside of the Baltimore suburbs. At the let me get the name right because they have had a name change oh, wow. at our hotel. <laughs> it is the North Baltimore. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it is the uh, North Baltimore Plaza Hotel. Okay. In uh, Timonium, Maryland, so it's right uh, right around the corner if, uh, from the Maryland State Fairgrounds, right off of Interstate 83. Um, our doors open on Friday at 1 p.m. and programming runs pretty much almost 24/7 after that. And uh, weekend ticket prices are $80 pre-reg, and that does include uh, one on signature at no additional charge each day from one of our celebrity guests. The uh, tickets can be purchased online at our website www.farpointcon.com. Dot com com <laughs> and and uh, or you can print off a flyer from the website to mail in your uh, your registration request. We do sell tickets at the door. 
but uh, it will be at a higher price. So if you want to save yourself some money, definitely do it in advance. Pre-registration is open until January 31st, and uh, that is the same date that our hotel room block closes as well. <coughs> so everything closes on the 31st so that we can get ready to print out badges and welcome everyone in two weeks after that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Steve, Sharon, Renee, it was awesome to have you guys on just to chat about the history of cons and uh, a little bit about Farpoint. Um, and, uh, and we are looking forward to seeing you here in just a uh, couple short weeks. It'll be here. Yes, indeed. And, um, and I know that uh, one of the things that uh, Sci-Fi Diner will be doing at Farpoint along with uh, your regular activities and panels is we uh, hopefully will be able to get you um, interview slots with uh, our celebrity guests so that you'll be able to, you know, share the Farpoint experience with people that can't make it this year. Yeah, we, we oh, love thank we, you. We love being able to do that. So, well, I think, well, listen, go ahead. A lot of our guests, they, they enjoy talking to, um, to, to, to our, our podcaster guests and to uh, – the press that's able to come because you know it just gets you know every every opportunity to get the word out is one one possibly one or two new people that they would have never reached otherwise right absolutely awesome awesome well steve renee and uh sharon thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with us on a saturday night nonetheless to uh do a little bit of recording and talking about farpoint excellent great yeah Thank you so much for visiting the Sci-Fi Diner. We hope you enjoyed the food, the service, and the conversations. If you'd like to share your thoughts regarding what we've talked about, or tell us what you're watching or reading, flip open your communicators and contact us at 1-888-508-4343 or click the SpeakPipe link at scifidinerpodcast.com. Or send an MP3 or typed email to sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com. You can also join the conversation on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash sci-fi diner. We'll share your thoughts on our listener feedback show. If you'd like to support the diner beyond the conversation, you can always throw some coins in the tip jar at sci-fi diner podcast.com.
wonderfully comprehend this pony fascination, let me first sum up the previous of Pony Generations. Generation 1 appeared on TV in the 80s. It was made to sell toys. Plots were hardly very weighty. And Generation 2, I do not mean to grouse and gripe, but these characters fell right into the girly stereotypes. And Generation 3 is just too awful and too tragic. So let's jump to number 4, where friendship is magic. All the characters compelling and the stellar storytelling and the lovely animation brought about great dedication. This is where we meet the bronies, for they like my little pony. Yes, the bros enjoy the ponies, so let's go and meet the bronies. Finding it through hype when the bronies did invade their favorite forums and websites. And though first a little skeptical, these moderates inquired. And once they finally saw the show, their love for it caught fire. The core of the meetups and conventions that you see are the social groups that come to BronyCon and ever free. Yes, the moderates and hipsters are the big groups of the bronies. They're the dudes that are the bulk of all the men who like the ponies. Bronies are the final bunch you need to know, making music, art, and stories all inspired by the show. While counting down the days from season one to season two, the musicians wrote funky little songs like Pinky's Brew. The pony generators churn out many new OCs, and the artists put their art on Tumblr blogs for all to see. The writers pair their favorites, voicing charming little quips. And although they face some critics, they will go down with their ships. Their talent is their glory, ever-growing, never stopping, from the music to the stories and the artwork and the clapping. Oh dear. But let's steer away from that one and get right back to the ponies, for creatives are the final bunch in the wacky world of bronies. Creatives and moderates and lastly, hipster bronies are the groups that are quite proud to watch the show. My Little Pony! Hey! Forgetting some pony? It seems your little lessons left the fairer sex neglected. Well, when girls like little ponies, that's very much expected. Even so, you can't ignore these Phillies contributions. We're involved in brony culture and we demand our inclusion. We attend all the conventions, create art and music too, discuss the show, talk on forums, everything that these dudes do. No, we're not bros, but we're bronies. Though some prefer Pegasisters. And we also are creatives. Moderates and even hipsters. Well, there you have it. All the bronies. Any pony else I missed? Now, if it's all the same to you, class dismissed. It, oh my god, this smells amazing. Okay, yes. Yes, Ooh, and it like smells it. spicy. My I'm, one of my sinuses just popped. That's awesome. That's really good. That's really good. Uh, I can smell it over the microphone. It's great. Man. I've just been introduced to the wonderful world of uh, of um, well, so the correct correct 
and the dude at the restaurant, it's fuck, but everybody calls it faux. Yes, for for for, for reasons. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go get fuck. What? Yeah. You're gonna no. get fucked. Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Well, um. So it's it's. I've just been introduced to this the really the most delicious and ramen. Going to get different kinds of ramen and and, and, and not not that store bought crap that you get for college students. I mean, real ramen. Right. But then there was one dish that I had that is made with the cheap stuff. But they don't use the, the 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 powder. They just use the noodles because what he does with it, he makes um he he cooks it down and then grinds it down and makes gnocchi out of it because okay. it holds. There's so much. It, there's it's such an uh, an alkali noodle that it holds its shape and its flavor so well. So it's just roasted garlic and this noodle put through this little press till it's like pasty and then he makes ramen. He makes gnocchi. Oh my god, it was so good. <laughs> to die for. It was to die. I ate the most amazing food in Los Angeles, I have to tell you. Mm. It was wonderful. Now, when were you and, in, when were you in LA again? New Year's new for year's, new, the new week year's. of New Year's. That's awesome. New Year's in LA, there's something about that. It was really amazing and strange, but the people I hung out with, it was great. It was all those like So I I got to hang out with some really interesting people who work for some other interesting people. And <laughs> here we go. All right. Now my headphones are working. Let me take this mic off. Right. Um, so I basically met two of the two of the writers for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, that's fun. Um, well, like the people I met was really amazing, but I'm trying not to be that. Oh, I know this person. I know that person. Oh, yeah. So I have kept it kind of to myself. So that because I like I like these people as people and they've offered to like I've jokingly like some of them have read some of my posts and little stories that I shared with my buddy Josh and he shared with them. And so it's 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 kind of neat and it's very delicate because I don't want to be that person that's like, oh, well, I know so and so and I know so and so <laughs> it was it was so wonderful and it's incredibly tempting to pick up and move. Wow. Oh. 